I was uh, waiting for the call to Lisette to sing during the offering, but didn't come, gave the part to Afa. So, and you guys are blessed because she did. But that reminds me, actually, of a Christmas pageant that was going to be put on by some children. It's a Sunday school program, and they were going to do the Christmas pageant. And one little guy really wanted badly to be selected to be Joseph. But instead, they gave it to another little kid he didn't even like, and he was relegated to be the innkeeper. So every night that they rehearsed, he was thinking to himself how he could get back at his rival, who had become Joseph. So the night of the performance, Joseph and Mary come across the platform, and Joseph knocks on the door of the inn. The innkeeper opens the door and says, gruffly, what do you want? And Joseph said, we'd like a room for the night. And the innkeeper looked at him and said, great, threw the door open and said, come on in, you can have the best room in the house. Little Joseph was caught off guard and he didn't quite know what to say. So he looked past the innkeeper thinking and he said, I'd never let my wife stay in a dump like this. Come on, Mary, let's go to the barn. <laughs> Every year we go to shopping centers and, and maybe hear the Christmas music. Sometimes we even sing this, the music about Jesus. We hear so much through the season that may relate to Christ. We even go to Christmas services. But as you know, I mean, we can lose it during the Christmas season in the midst of everything else because Christmas has become so commercial. I mean, if you were to ask people, not just children, what comes to their mind when they think of Christmas, oftentimes it's presents. I mean, merchants understand that and they cash in on it and, and we become caught up in it so that we become pre preoccupied with gifts. Now don't worry, I'm not going to rail against gift giving. Rather, I'd like to make the case that Christmas is all about gift giving. Because there's one gift in particular is the reason we even celebrate Christmas, and that's the greatest gift that was ever given. That's why we exchange gifts in celebration of him if we remember that. I want to read you, in fact, I'll ask you to share in the reading with me of a very familiar verse that, well, it's a summation of the entire message of the Bible very familiar verse that uh, speaks of this gift that was given. John chapter 3, verse 16. And I'd like to ask us to read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want to share four facts with you about gifts and gift giving that I think you'll agree with. But I want to show you how they relate to God's gift of his son. Here's the first. The best gifts express the love of the giver. Think about it. I mean, people give gifts for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes we give gifts out of obligation. Oh, I got a gift, uh, that person a gift because they gave me a gift. Or maybe sometimes people give gifts to curry favor from someone. But, but the best gifts come from a heart of love to bring joy to the heart of another. That's what God's gift was all about. It came from his heart of love. For God so loved the world that he gave. And when it says he loved the world, it's not talking about the planet 
although he'd obviously loved the cosmos which he created, but specifically it's talking about people. God loves each person whom he has created, and that's why he gave his son into this world. It came from his heart of love, and, and that's what the best gift's done. When you understand the reason why God sent his son into the world, you'll understand, and you'll see what love has done. Second fact is this. A wrapped gift's appearance doesn't reveal its worth. I've got a gift here, and I'd actually be willing to give this to someone today since this is our last service. And I don't know how excited you'd be to receive it. You don't know what's in there, right? But maybe you'd be even more excited if I pulled it out. This is a little more attractive, isn't it? But do you think it's any worth any more than when it was in the Long's bag? Actually, it's the same, right? So the appearance can be deceiving. Truthfully, there's nothing in this. But uh, you can have it if you'd like it. <laughs> God's gift came wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, swaddling cloths were, that was the ancient practice of wrapping strips of cloth around a newborn to restrict its movement for safety. And so when the shepherds came, they saw that little baby wrapped in cloth and... It was wonderful, just like every baby is. But not that unusual. I mean, contrary to pictures you may have seen, there were no halos over the head of Mary and Joseph or even of the baby Jesus. There was no radiance shining from that manger. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, who wrote about his coming 700 years before he was born, said that as a man there was... Nothing outstanding about his appearance that would draw you to him. So appearances can be deceiving. I mean, external and outward appearances. Uh, the appearance of a gift doesn't necessarily tell you much about its worth. Third fact is this. Unwrapping the gift may give a hint of its value. I mean, you get that gift and you're feeling it, and maybe you feel the texture or the shape of it, and you think, I know what's in here. Or, or maybe you take the gift and you start to peel back the wrapping and you see a label on the box, and you think, all right. And you're either excited, if that's what you were hoping for, or disappointed if you think you know what's in there and that's not what you were hoping for. Oh, no. Auntie got me socks and underwear again this year. Well, some of the people that were close to Jesus, and even in the crowds that followed him, began to get a hint, a clue, of what was inside that wrapping. I mean, 30 years after his birth, he launched his ministry at his baptism in the Jordan River. And after his baptism, it says, A dove descended and lighted upon him, and there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. His teaching as one who had authority, he was speaking from God. His miracles, I mean, these were major miracles. I mean, he raised the dead, healed the blind, cured the lame. And people began to realize this is no mere man. I mean, even the minor miracles, if you could call them that, like the one where 
the brothers are out all night fishing. They'd caught nothing. And Jesus says, throw the, boat, the net on the other side of the boat. And they did. And it came up teeming with fish. Peter falls at the feet of Jesus and says, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. But Jesus didn't go away. In fact, he drew Peter and James and John into his inner circle. And one day up on a mountain, he was transfigured before them. His glory was seeping through. Blinded by his glory, they got a glimpse of his deity and realized they were in the presence of divinity. They began to understand the words that he had said to them. If you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. They were permitted to peek beneath the wrapping. So, as a gift is unwrapped, sometimes you get a hint. And they certainly saw that and more. And then fourth, the giver intends the gift to be opened and enjoyed. Left wrapped, unopened. A gift may bring us some comfort, knowing I have it, even though we don't know what's in it. It may even spawn some good feelings for us as we think about it, but it will never accomplish the purpose for which the giver intended. And it leaves the giver disappointed and the receiver shortchanged. So it is with God's gift to the world, to you. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that you should not perish, but that you should have eternal life. It would be a tragedy to miss out, not to unwrap, not to open this great gift that he's given to us. In fact, immediately following John chapter 3, verse 16, comes an explanation of what's involved in this gift. John the Apostle writes it this way, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. God's gift was ultimately and fully unwrapped on a hill outside of Jerusalem. Stripped and nailed to a cross, Jesus suffered physical anguish, but more importantly, he, he experienced spiritual separation from his Father. The penalty for sin, the penalty that we deserve because of our sin, he took it upon himself so we could escape that and receive instead his forgiveness. Talk about a gift. The greatest gift ever given. And that's what we don't want to miss out on. I urge you not to. Not to miss out on God's forgiveness, his loving presence, his guidance, and eternal life. That would be an eternal tragedy. You can fully open God's gift this morning by believing. That's what scripture says. Believing what Christ has come to do for you. Why God sent him. See what love has done. Believe it and receive him. And so you would then experience from this day forward peace in your heart. Peace with God 
and growing peace with others around you. Now, those of you that have already made that decision, we who have already decided to follow Christ, we're not there yet. I mean, we're a work in process. And uh, it, it takes time, and, but it happens from the inside out with the Lord working in our lives. And so we need to continue to grow in love and experience more and more the presence of God within us. But, but if you've not done that, if you're not there yet, let me ask you, do you see what love has done? If you fail to see what love has done, if you fail to open that gift, if you fail to receive the Christ who has come for you, you've missed it all. Make this the day that you say, yes, Jesus, I believe and I want to follow you. The uh, Christ candle behind me uh, represents Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. That's where we are before we come to Christ. We are in spiritual darkness, and we really often don't realize it. When you're raised in a dark room, you think that's the way it should be. But there's a light that comes into our life when we believe in and receive Jesus. And so if if you're ready to make that decision this morning, coming to a place of faith and decision to follow him, when your candle is lit in a few moments, uh, I want that to be a symbol of what has already taken place in your heart. Because I really encourage you, just as you think about God's love for you, of his sending Jesus into this world to die on that cross for you, that before that candle even comes down your row, you'll breathe a prayer asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and to dwell within you. And uh, that candle lit will just symbolize what's already taken place in your heart. For those of you that are followers of Christ, it's a reminder that, yes, when Christ came into my life, I received his full forgiveness and the peace with God that he came to bring. And when you light someone else's candle, it's a reminder that we don't hold on to this light. We pass it on. We share this good news that others may know, too, of a Savior who has come into the world. When your candle is lit, do turn and just prayerfully light the candle of the person next to you.